Good afternoon, Rich Nass, Executive Vice President with Open Systems Media and leader of the Embedded Computing Design franchise, where we talk about anything and everything that is of importance to an embedded developer. Here for this week's Embedded Executive podcast, this week, my Embedded Executive is Carlos Morales, who is the Vice President of Artificial Intelligence for Ambit. Good morning, or afternoon, I guess it is good morning for you, Carlos. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. My pleasure. So uh, most of us are aware of the sub-threshold technology that Ambic has pioneered and continues to push out uh, in, a, in a very big way. But just to be sure, would you just very quickly explain what sub-threshold technology is so the audience understands? Hmm. Yeah, so, so sub-threshold technologies, although technology is right in the name, is not actually a technology. It's a collection of methodologies and yes, some technologies and, and techniques that let you uh, run MCUs at a very low power point. So, so basically you take the same uh, kind of uh, SOC technology that, that powers most embedded systems and just run it at the lowest possible voltage and get lower leakage currents and so on. Um, so it's not a technology, it's a big family of technologies that you bring to bear. Okay, fair enough. Um, the, the thing that always surprises me or has surprised me since you guys have been around, why haven't other folks been able to do something similar? I know you have patents, but there's some really smart people out there. Um, I, I think you've proven that it works. Why hasn't somebody else done something either the same or similar enough to get around the patent? And, and when I joined Ambic, you know, the first thing I, I, go, I go to talk to all my friends in the Silicon space, I've been working this for a long time. And when I say I'm, I'm going to a sub-threshold uh, startup, like, oh man, you're never going to get that to work. It's like, no, no, no. These guys have it working. It's deployed at scale, like hundreds of millions of units. So uh, it is very hard to do. And I think part of it is because of what I said. It's not a single thing that you do and then you get that right. You have to have, it, it impacts everything from sand to, to how you do your design validation, right? Everything gets touched by this. And what Ambic has done over the years is actually build that, that skill set and that kind of quiver of, of the technologies. So yeah, there are some core IP things that you have to protect using a patent, but there's also a barrier to entry just in how hard it is to do. Yeah, I think I'm gonna push you a little bit on this. You guys are like five years at least in, into this. You're saying that there's nobody else smart enough out there to do it? Well, I'm going to say Scott Hansen is the smartest person on planet. No, I'm kidding. Uh, I, again, I have a lot of friends in the startup space who are who are trying to get this to work, have been trying to get this to work for a long time, and Ambic has it. So I think the, the proof is in just in that. Right. Okay. All right. Uh, that's your answer. You're welcome to stick to it. Okay. So um, you are the vice president of artificial intelligence. Um, where exactly does Ambic stand with AI? Because this is a pretty compute intensive uh, application and um, you guys tend to run on batteries and batteries and compute intensive are not usually used in the same sense. So tell me where you stand. I think that's a really exciting part about this, right? Um, Things that you could not do before uh, are, 
are now being enabled by, by being ultra low power. So actually, when you take a step back, you look, there's a convergence of like three kind of trends in the, in, in the embedded industry that are going to make this possible. One is ultra low power solutions like Ambix. But the other is kind of a maturation in the AI space. It was, it was a, it's only recently that research has really turned their eye towards really compressed, highly efficient AI. The sexy stuff was all in the cloud. You know, billions and billions of dollars have been spent on things like GPT-3. Uh, 32 gigabytes is the, you know, the minimum size that you even think about when you're doing AI at that scale. And so the researchers looked at that. They didn't look at what can you do with one or, or two megabytes of AI. That's changed very recently. I think people have realized that there's value here in endpoint AI, and a lot of research university efforts are pointing that way. So that's one part of it. The other part of it is that you can actually make real solutions now. So you look at companies, that, you know, innovative companies like Edge, uh, Edge Impulse, who are making this kind of scalable, at, uh, accessible at scale. Um, so that's the other side, bringing, democratizing, like really democratizing AI to folks who are not data scientists. And then the third leg is, uh, you know, taking all that compression technologies that are coming along, the kind of the, the tool chain that makes it easier, and you put it on a very low power chip like Ambix, and you enable completely new markets, things that you couldn't even think about going after before. Okay. Uh, I made a little bit of a faux pas there, and I have to correct myself. Um, I, I did a podcast just recently, recently where we talked about AI is not an application. It's something that enables another application. So forgive me. So let me ask the question, what are the applications that are using AI that are being enabled by Ambic? Yeah, that's a great question. Right. In the AI space, we call those tasks. So what is the AI task that you're, you're, you're bringing to your application? Um, so the way I look at this, there's three things that I can do with Ambix like superpower. One is the same thing that everybody's doing right now, just with longer battery. So uh, that's the easy one. That's like, you, there's no innovation there from an AI point of view. You're just taking off the shelf technology and using the lower power threshold that Ambix can run at and doing the same thing that other folks do uh, for a longer time. The more interesting, the stuff that's really fascinating to me is staying in the same power envelope and then throwing more cycles at it because I have more cycles, more jewels to play with. Um, and what that does is increase accuracy. So if you think about the wearable market, for example, it, you know, people get into arguments over how many steps have been counted. Was it 10,000 steps, 14,000? So maybe, okay, maybe steps don't matter. But if you're doing something else, it's really critical to get accuracy. Right? And the way you do that in the AI space is you throw more parameters at it, you do more computation, you get your model's accuracy up. That's one of the knobs that people tune down when they go to work. So you're like, okay, less accurate, we can make it fit. So that, that's interesting. And there's a really good path to, to doing that. And I think that's how we're helping our current markets. The wearable markets, which is big for Ambic, uh, the hearable market can stand to benefit from that as well. What okay. really gets, okay, I'm sorry. No, I, I didn't mean to in, interrupt, sorry. Well, there's the thing that really gets me out of bed is the stuff that you couldn't do before at all. Like, I, uh, you know, my Apple Watch keeps telling me to meditate when I'm driving, right? Well, <laughs> it does that because it doesn't know that I'm driving. It should, right? That's called complex 
activity recognition. I'm cooking. Don't don't offer to do things that I can't do while I'm cooking. So recognizing those things is an AI problem that currently does not fit in the battery budget for, for most MCUs. That's going to change with NP, micro MPUs coming online that are very power efficient. Uh, ARM has some really cool technology coming down the pike on, in the cortexes. Uh, you'll be able to do complex activity recognition and your, you know, your average user won't notice except your watch will get less annoying, right? And that'll be a differentiating feature. Very good. So what's next for you guys? It's, it's all that stuff. For, from an AI point of view, it really is building that, that AI muscle at Ambic where we can help our customers uh, develop things faster and more accurately than their, our competitors can. Okay. Um, and then the other side is more like a research. Now that you have this new power, what can you do that people weren't even looking at before because it wasn't possible? So there will be new markets. And is that something that you guys are initiating or you're leaving that up to your customers, potential customers to figure out, or is it a combination? How does that work? I think it has to be a combination because, you know, our, our customers are busy making things that, that are, you know, profitable, right? So there's some research that our customers will, will let startups do. Uh, and when I say combination, it isn't, it isn't just ambient. I'm sure we have, uh, uh, a number of, you know, I'm sure I, we have a number of, uh, of, uh, partners out there that are, that are kind of, uh, innovators in the AI space and we'll work with them as well. Do you see yourselves going outside the arm space anytime soon? I, I, I've only been here six, six weeks. So no, I don't know, uh, that kind of dynamics. Um, in my previous job, we were looking hard at the risk five, uh, ecosystem, but you know, for a startup, it's probably wise to let that mature a bit more before you invest heavily in it. Good answer. I like that. Okay. Okay, Carlos, uh, this is probably a good place to stop. That was very interesting. And uh, I wish you guys luck going forward. All right. That was easy. <laughs> Thanks, Rich. That was Carlos Morales. He is the Vice President of Artificial Intelligence at Ambic, and I am Rich Nass with Open Systems Media.